It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Scott's book, the title, has now just come out. The title is Golf Decoded, Unraveling the Game's Greatest Secrets. If you guys want to get a head start on this book, go ahead and hop on over to his Instagram at shassigolf, two S's and two E's, and go ahead and pre-order the book on GoFundMe. It's $14.99, and it'll be the best $14.99 you guys have ever spent. It comes with a lot of free extras, uh, a lot of content throughout the book that you guys will be able to scan a QR in the book and go ahead and uh, check out the videos that are linked to those QR codes. So it's more than just a book, it's a golf cheat code. So hop on over, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. There's no rules! Shoot a lower score. There's one rule! All right, welcome back to the Back Porch Franklin Bridge for another week, another episode, another Q&A. Another Ask Sherlock. Ask me a question. We need to get like a jingle. We need. I mean, we live in Nashville. Oh man, a jingle. We live in Nashville. We can get a jingle going. I know a guy who uh, was a stage or a studio musician for and played around with Waylon Jennings and guys like that. I could probably get him to write me one. He wrote a song um, for Nora Grace when she was born, on the spot. Like just, he's like, I don't know. It just came to me. You sent me this video of of all the pictures when she was born, and the song just came to me. He's been a songwriter and played for Waylon Jennings and a whole bunch of I don't I can't list enough country names, but he's played with all of them. That's cool. It needs to be like um, it needs to be like cheesy, like one of like the um, <laughs> like one of the game shows that you see on the Tonight Show or something. Be like, ask me a question. Then it's Sherlock. Sherlock's Q and A. <laughs> hey, let's just go with that. Somebody write one on that. Um, I'll copy and paste that in every single time. <laughs> oh, no. Goodness. All right. So somebody come ask me a question. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Dun, ask him a dun, question. Dun. It's Sherlock. Sherlock's Q&A. <laughs> I'm going to stick with that. I think so. Come on. I've got one from the internet. This is going to be a short Q&A if we can't find anybody. I know. I've answered all the questions. We need to figure out a way to break the ice, Scott. How do we break the ice? Uh, we've done we've done everything <laughs> and even brought a bottle of Jack, and we can't uh, we can't break the still ice. still can't break the ice. All right, can't break the ice. Ask a question. Ask a question. Get a shot. Not for Daniel. We should have done that. Not for Daniel. We'll get Sherlock another uh, or Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Daniel another peach milkshake. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, so. Avery Jones has a question from the internet. He said, uh, I want to know what Jack thinks made him so good so fast. And then what I think Scott thinks allowed him to get good so fast. So wow. answer from both of us. I got a question. You got a question. That's your first like question directed Avery, at you. My guy. Wow. Okay. Well, He's left-handed, so there's first problem. Should I go first or should you go just first? Kidding. Like, do you think you want oh, the pro no. answer first and then the no, 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 no. answer? You're going to answer first because we're going to put you on the spot. You can't be too arrogant, and you better be right, or I'm going to call you out. Better be right mm-hmm. about what made me so good so fast. Mm-hmm. I just think the, I think two things. Well, I'll say one. You things. had you had a goal. Yes. You're very speci- you had a very specific directive. Yeah. And. I kind of poked the bear a little bit, so I was like, uh, "You can't, you can't do this, can you?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, a a bunch of things. So, 
we had our, our last podcast that um, that went out. Well, I guess it's it's two before the Nick ones, which are out right now. If you Did guys are just listening to this, they're about to go out. Okay. Um, so it's out right now if you're listening to this. Oh, okay. But um, get get your foot in the door, like get in the room. We had oh, yeah. a, we had a podcaster on all this, and I really wanted to get uh, pretty good at golf around COVID. And I think a lot of you guys have heard my story, so I'll keep it short. But I really wanted to, you know, to get get pretty good at golf. Went to uh, went to Scott, had a few lesson package. He traded me podcast production for lessons, and um, I guess we've just spent so much time around each other that I feel like it's it's hard for me not to be not to be at least somewhat decent at the game so far. But I mean, as far as like Scott, what would you say from taking somebody like take me? Okay. Take me from year zero to year one if I was just kind of on like a regular pace, like an average pace of what you of what a student in a year does, what would I be shooting right uh, now? Even for an athlete, you maybe would have broken 90 two or three times. Okay, so there you go. I think, I, And you wouldn't probably shoot lower than 87. Right. Um, so they're good, and their average would be low to mid 90s they'd have they'd probably play and they'd have like several string of good holes and then they'd have a bunch of doubles triples or long strings of bogeys things like that so got you well i mean being the 79 is my pr i think just wanting to get better and and like just enjoying the the journey enjoying the Mm -hmm. grind and um having somebody that you really have confidence in teaching you too and just being willing to be coached because I think there's a difference between Ooh, being, a, being a student and responding to a teacher who you actually like respect and think they can actually do what they're going to do because I've yep. been around coaches who yep. don't know crap about the games that they're coaching and it's so hard <laughs> to take directive from them because you're like why am I taking directive from you like you you can't do this kind of thing but if you have a if you have a coach a teacher that like number one you respect and one you uh, and number two you um, actually believe that they're good at what they're doing I think that makes it a lot easier to kind of give in and give them all the control. So there's my answer. Okay, good. So uh, Avery, when you ask a question, be ready for it to come back at you in a text that you send me. So Avery <laughs> Avery sent me this on Sunday of this week. Uh, he said, absolutely stumped with my golf swing at the moment, slicing everything and feel like I'm back to square one. My first two words, you are dot, 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 dot. You are back to square one because you let yourself go back to square one. Uh, and that was you to him. That was me to him. I said, you are back at square one. Um, and that's because you let it go that way. Like, you're in charge of you. You can change you. And I said, um, I said, you got to get those hands out to the side of your head, referring to his backswing. That's Jack's secret. He just doesn't let himself stay the same. Explain. You just don't let yourself stay there. Like, I'm not going to keep slicing it. And I know what I've been told to do to stop slicing it. Uh. And I'm just not going to go there. And it's like, well, that feels so weird to do the other. I was like, well, okay. So, in in Avery's case, that backswing movement I'm asking him to do will make it feel like he's not going to hit it anywhere, and it feels very, very robotic. Um, and in reality, he hits it a lot further and a lot straighter, but the the concern of hitting it far enough is overriding the system that is 
make it right. Do you think you could give an example from when we were back on the back tee today? Yeah. Um, so like, don't necessarily like put me up on a pedestal, but like explain kind of like the difference in mindsets that right. you see from so, some people. So for instance, so I asked Jack, I wanted his hands further out away from his uh, shoulder at the finish. So uh, just, I'm not asking your arms to be both perfectly straight, but there should be more width between your hands and that shoulder. And that's going to fix about six or seven other things. Um, so just do that first swing. Boom. Hands were out further away. He just made sure that that's what was, that was going to happen. Now, you hit it terrible for the first four or five shots, but you didn't retreat. You stayed the course. People will drop the course. Like, if you don't fix it in one swing, they'll drop it. Whether they want to or not, they will drop it, and they won't keep going. Um, and so you stayed with it, and then I gave you a minor directive, which was you may have to play with ball position or where your weight is at address uh, or through the motion to figure out exactly where you need to be um, in order to hit it solid. So, and I can't give that to most people, by the way. So this is one of the things that makes Jack interesting is, and able to get good really fast is I give him a specific directive, something that's a, um, a non-negotiable, if you will. And then I give him some parameters in which he can play. So that way you can have your own unique swing profile. You have to be a high-level athlete to be able to do this. Um, you can play around with those parameters to find that solid shot for you and find the shot shape that you want. Dude, I did that today. Um, first of all, another thing I think is big is that as soon as I got this these directives from Scott, I hit, I hit 175 golf balls in the course of an hour, hour and, and a half. half. And so I don't, I think, you know, I was probably going a little bit faster than I should, but um, I don't think many people are like willing to hit that many balls uncomfortably to be able to figure it out. Correct. Um, but going back to like you letting me play around with some parameters, I did that on the wedges in the last like 10 minutes that we were out there and I like finally found something that like worked and worked consistently. And I did have to play around with the ball position and my weight. And like the feeling that I had as far as where certain things were in my body. But you had to keep that one thing, the one thing, like that right. one thing had to stay there and you did. Right. And like, I, I was starting to hit balls way more crisp, way more uh, accurately. And I think it just takes a little bit. I think anything good takes a, a long time to curate. No. And uh, <clears throat> if you're not willing to get uncomfortable and do that, then you're just going to be stuck Here, where you here's are. Here's the next thing that I gave Jack. Uh, I gave him that same movement, but he still hit the driver really, really low when he switched to the driver. And so, and so, um, with the driver, I was like, hey, I want you to hit it really low like you're hitting a three wood. And, I want you to learn to hit it solid. And they're just super, they're even lower, but he stayed the course. Like you didn't leave the directive, which is where the arm was. And then I gave you the change in your body position in order to make that work. And you still thought it was a little bit crazy. Keep it teed low, still hit them like garbage. I mean, you probably hit, you probably hit 25 or so drivers in a row that were just absolute garbage. We're talking topped drivers, uh, towed into the water on 18. We're on the back tee. Um, low hooked across the left side of the dry range. I mean, there was probably from good one to bad one, there were probably, I don't know, 120 two, yards. Yeah, I'll say 200 yards from <laughs> yeah, more left to right. Um, and then I said, all right, now raise the T height back up 
stay with that. And then all of a sudden they were just crushed. Oh my God. I've never seen you hit a driver that good. Um, and they were just one after another straight, straight, straight. What Jack did was he trusted I'd either the directives I gave him, he would stay in those parameters and he would figure out the rest or you trusted that at some point I'd give you the next piece that would allow it to work. Now, that's not a conscious thought. That's not what Jack is thinking as he's doing this. He's just steady, complete trusting my directives there and just, okay, I'm going to just keep going. He, do, he doesn't turn the car around and go back and try and figure it out. He just stays that course, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And then I made that one little adjustment because it was time and whoop. I mean, they were, I mean, they were on a string. I mean, you probably hit, you had ten of them in a row there, that were couldn't have been more than twenty yards left to right. So you could hit any fairway on the PGA Tour. Um, and they, and were, they like were just flushed. Two ninety five, three fifteen. Mm-hmm. And then what happened though is then you started hitting some squirrely ones, and I said, all right, now as you're trying to keep that space, don't try and guide it, which is what started happening. Right. He started trying to repeat the ball flight rather than repeat the movement. Mm -hmm. And then you were able to get back to it. So, again, you hit enough balls for us to see the cheat so we could then correct the cheat, going back to a previous podcast we just talked about. So that's the kind of thing that makes great players great. Um, And Austin and Micah, like, they came and took a lesson, shot 65-63 that afternoon, shoot two course records. Like, one of the things that's amazing is – I gave them something different to do, and they went and took it to the golf course immediately and trusted it 100%, sold all the way out to it. And that's a, that's a maturity of character to do that. Well, and there's this – I'm going to be paraphrasing this quote a little bit, but they say that if something doesn't change, it doesn't mean enough to you. Yep. I, that's what I've – I mean, I've said that to Cracking the Code 1.0. I was like, if you all haven't changed, it doesn't matter enough. They're like, well, it, do, it matters. It's like, it doesn't matter enough to change it. Yeah, your behavior has to represent right what you're trying to do, like, what you're trying to believe. That doesn't mean right. – that, that goes for like – I mean, that can go for, for anything. anything. It goes for physical Jinx. therapy, relationships, um, sports. It goes for work, work ethic and work. Uh, uh, you know, Whatever you're willing to do, you're going to do it if it means that much to you. So um, – that's and you got question, to hear though. you got to hear that from Nick too when he was on totally so and but I think I want to while we kind of go off of this question I want to do one one more little caveat or emphasize one thing that I said earlier is that you have to find somebody that you trust to take you there that is the biggest thing is that you have to trust that coach to get you there and if you don't have that faith in your coach or not willing to sell out to your coach you 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 won't be better period so. That's an awesome question. Well, and with especially while everybody's getting with, into the game too. And with cracking the code 1.0, when we came around the first of the year, I told all of them, I said, none of you are are working hard enough or practicing hard enough. And it was like, <laughs> some people took offense to it. It was <laughs> like, wait, what? I was like, you're practicing harder than anybody out here. However, the intent has to go up a little bit, and that's that's the secret. Is it's super high intent like you think you're really trying but and you really want it but if you look down deep you really don't let that be a challenge all right you're, you're good all right so i'm curious how how confidence affects your game with 
coming down to like the balls you're using, the clubs, your attire. Like I know confidence in it, it affects your game, but how? What is what changes? It's just that raw, pure belief that you can do it and you don't need any help from anybody else. So you're going to want to mark this spot in the podcast because what I'm about to say I think is going to be really good. Uh, I've been thinking on this a lot the last couple of weeks, actually. Um, I almost never stop teaching. That's really hard for me, like stop learning. Uh, but um, there's a difference between confidence and belief. Okay, so... Um, in order to, let's say I want to play college golf. Jack wants to break 80, right? No, we're, we're past well, that I know, goal. I know, I know, I know. We're past that one. Using, using that as the example, <laughs> yeah. right? Of, um, Jack, okay, let's use Jack's going to break par, right? Jack hasn't shot, hasn't broke par. How, how do you get the, people look to try and get confidence to break par. You don't get, you don't. It's not the way it works. Belief is knowing if, if I keep working at this, I know I'm going to break par. That's a self-belief. That's a looking into the future going, I'm going to get there. I don't know when I'm going to get there, but I'm going to get there. And you know what? I might even put a deadline on it. I'm going to get there two years in for you to break par. From start to breaking par, Would that be years, the quickest? That's the challenge. Would that be the quickest That would for definitely you? be the fastest. <laughs> Let's do it. By a long shot. Let's uh, do it. having never played. Um <laughs> But the belief precedes the work ethic. The belief drives the work ethic. People, and in that, so Jack was hitting him terrible. How does he have any confidence that he's going to hit it any good? There's no, asking him to do something new, there's no confidence that he can do it. There's a belief that drives the action that then leads to the change. So confidence, so belief is having this internal like, I'm going to get there. I know I'm going to get there. Nothing's going to stop me from getting there. I don't have the skills yet, but I'm going to acquire the skills through work and through direction and coaching. Like, I'm going to get there. I don't know how, but I, have, I am going to get there. Uh, it's actually not I don't know how. You do know how. It's work ethic and getting the right directives and being very intent about that. The second component is confidence. So confidence sits over here by itself. Confidence is having done knowing that you can and will do it again. Let me say it to you again. Confidence is having done, knowing that you can and will do it again. Belief makes you work. Work produces results. Those results are where you get confidence. People think you have to, you have, to have confidence before you get confidence. It makes no sense whatsoever. That makes zero sense. You can have a self-belief, and I know some people may think I'm splitting hairs here. I'm not splitting hairs. They're not the same thing at all. Um, like, I believe that the book that I've written is going to make a massive change in the golf industry. I don't know exactly how that's going to work. The data is proving itself time and time again. I've got some things I need to do. I need to contact coaches. I need to contact other PGA golf professionals. I need to market. I need to advertise it. I need to execute it in my own students, in my own lessons. There's a lot of things I need to do to do that. Um, I need to sell the first copy. I need to reach out to other publishers that may take it on, put marketing dollars behind it and advertise it and sell it. So, there are lots of things that have to do in order to get there. So 
the reason why I have confidence in the material is because we've done the work behind the scenes to prove that it works. But as we were sitting behind the scenes, we were like, is this really happening? Is this really happening? So there's belief that precedes that. I've never taught somebody to that's won on the PGA Tour. How in the world am I ever going to teach somebody that's never won on the PGA Tour? I believe I can do that. I have evidence from previous coaching experiences that I can do that. But I had to learn, and I failed a lot as a teacher learning growing up. And it's part of learning. That belief, too, comes from a solid foundation that you've built for yourself, too. Like, the reason why I've gotten as good as I can is because I put myself in front of people and in front of a club that supports getting better and having fun while doing it. I think the worst part about my athletic career is being put around certain coaches that had no idea what they were doing and their lack of belief. And it's because of lack of skill. Yeah. Their lack of belief and their lack of skill only put doubt into my head, which I believe really hindered my potential as an athlete, at least going to play at a high level. So getting around people who are good at what they're doing and have proven to do it. Like we Mm -hmm. talked about that with Nick and his, his journey it's he's just, playing with PGA Tour players right now as we speak. Right. Like he's, he's around guys like that. But there's a difference between, yeah. like, and that's the reason why he chose Alabama. He shared that on the podcast, which is out right now if you guys haven't gone and listened to it, um, where he's like, I want to be around a coaching staff and a facility that has proven to produce results, which is why Saban gets whoever he wants at any time, right? Uh, because he's proven to do it time and time again. But he didn't start there. Nope, he didn't start there, but... Um, I think that's that's a really uh, key part is being around people who have do it and are able have done it and are able to give you that same confidence. The the weird part about confidence is you have to you have to be strong enough to be able to recognize where you're weak and work to improve that. Yeah. But simultaneously recognize where you've made improvements in success. And the problem is people tend to fall on one of two categories. They obsess about their failures or they look only at their successes. And that's not, you can't build confidence that way because you'll always be on the wrong side of that. I feel like just a thing. faith and work ethic. I feel like those are the only team. That's you it. If, you, if you're surrounding yourself with a good. You have to have the right people around right, you who've the had The right success. person, the right people. Right. All you need after that is just faith and work ethic. Well, and this, is, this is why I look at students and like I've used this example recently <clears throat> um, with some of my elite juniors, Daniels in that class, they're all raving about this kid in the area that's really good, and he is. He's great. He's a really good player. I was like, yeah, but I've seen better. What area and is I've it? I've coached better. <clears throat> What's the area, Scott, that he's good in? Well, he's, his entire – like he's one of the best junior golfers in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. And so they're talking about how good he is. And I was uh, like, that's great. And he shot, I don't know, 11 under par at the state championship. I was like, yeah, I've seen 14 under at the state championship. And I've seen a 59 out of a 12-year-old. Like, that's cool. And I've been around coaching like that. I've coached, I have more than a dozen state titles out of my junior golfers. And every year I have, on average, eight go to the state championship. This year, my first year being, first year being here with a state championship because of COVID last year, um, I had three go. And I only have, kids that are able to do that, I only have, like, five. (laughs) And that's also including so, your you moving 
Yeah, moving oh. into a new place, and yeah, yeah. So crazy. Um, oh, I did have a couple back in Birmingham that I did coach for a while that did go to the state championship. So it's probably nice. closer to that normal number of, of cool, eight. Cool, cool. So, but like, you build that confidence through doing it. And so when I ask a student, like, if they're not really pushing themselves, they're like, it just feels really weird. I was like, do you trust me? And they're like, well, yeah, I do. I was like, well, then do it. Because if you don't do it at the end of the day, you don't trust me. They're like, well, I don't trust myself. I was like, no, 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 no. You don't trust me. That's the issue. I think too. Uh, um, That's a reality. Like, well, I just don't know. You don't trust me. You trust yourself plenty, which is why you're doing it your way. <laughs> you don't trust me. That's the issue. Uh, the last thing that I'll say on that, and I hope we need another question too, is that um, I think another big another big reason why I trust you so much in my you know, I would trust you regardless if I've seen you teach or not, but I've seen you give lessons to like so many different people and fixing so many different people with so many different body types and swing profiles. I just like, I just know you, you've got it in you to, to do it. So why not trust you? But I feel like the person who just, you know, comes back on the back tee every other week for the lesson and just sees you and then leaves right after, like they don't get to see those results that you've curated through other people over maybe a longer amount of time, which is, I feel like to their detriment, I think if you want to come and I might be extending an invite to the back, to the back to you, but like, I feel like it'd be worthwhile for people to come out and just watch you teach somebody else. I've talked about wanting to do that actually. Um, where I actually have on my schedule, I have to approve it with a student ahead of time, but like I want all of my students to come watch me teach for a whole day, one time every year it'll change the way you see yourself and how you learn um, and realize you're not the only one that's fighting really hard to change. So I don't know. Like, and you also, if you get to do that, you get to see the work ethic that the work ethic or lack of work ethic that other students have mm-hmm. too. And you get to be like, okay, well this person gets better because they try really hard and mm-hmm. this person's not seeing much improvement because they don't. Yeah. Well, and one last note on confidence for Daniel, if you're, and it's not just for him. It's for everybody's gone through this. Like, if you doubt your own ability and and such, sidebar from the not trusting me thing. But if you doubt your own ability, somebody else put that thought in your head, not you. No kid, like, yeah, we're all born sinners and we all have those issues. But like, when you're when you're growing up as a kid, like when a kid first does it by themselves. Every parent knows this, and if, even if you're a kid and you have younger siblings or nieces, nephews, whatever, uh, not or uh, cousins like that are younger, you have this idea of like you watch kids go, "Look, I did it myself." And they recognize their success based on the hard work that they did to get there. They believe they were gonna no no like six month old goes, you know that walking thing just isn't for me. They believe they're gonna walk. Why? Because the people in front of them are walking. They all learned how to walk. I can learn how to walk, right? So we have that ability in us to learn how to walk. Like, you can walk. Like, well, Scott's had all these students that they've all gone to state championships. They've gone to play college at the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three NAIA schools. Like, they've won national titles and, like, All-Americans. Well, I can do that. Like, they can do it. I just got to follow in the same track, and I'll get there too. And so... That doubt is coming from somebody else, not you. And then you perpetuate the cycle by doing it to yourself. Because you've adopted 
somebody else's lack of belief in you doing that. If you think I'm not going to change the industry, fine. That's cool. I don't care. We'll do it without you. Do it without you. <laughs> You'll eventually jump on board. That's okay. Just be late to the game. All right. I think we got time for two more. Come on. Come on. It's been a good podcast that hasn't been centered around golf. I like that. I mean, it has, but it hasn't. That was a great question by Daniel. I had a bunch of, <laughs> I had a bunch of fingers out to different places. What about a uh, a certain uh, a certain golf trip that was taken? Any lessons learned? Questions from a a Ooh. nice a nicer course? Yeah, Brian went to somewhere, Come on, Brian. S- somewhere special. Come on, surely you have a question about the place that you played. Or something that's different from oh, yeah. what we play here. Brian's not bashful. It's awesome. I don't know that I have a question about that necessarily, but something that came up in conversation while I was there on a completely different topic kind of put something to mind here. And it started with something you said earlier about your CTC 1.0 not working hard enough and um so this is going to be kind of in two parts um but i see a difference in working hard and working smart in that you've got to be working on the right things and um i've seen this for myself where i have a tendency and i think this is common to work on things i'm already good at because i'm good at them and so i keep practicing those so how do you know that what you're practicing is the right thing? Or if you're on the wrong thing, how do you recognize that and move where you're supposed to be? This is a great question. And it goes back to... Um, it goes how long do we have, Jack? What time is it? Jeez. How long should I talk? Well, I'll keep you short. Okay. Uh, it goes back to what we talked about with Nick. Right. When we talked about like uh, him getting out of whack and kind of where you go when you get out of whack. Mm -hmm. And and we we talked a lot about fundamentals and having those fundamentals set. And when you go back to those fundamentals, it almost fixes the things that were going going on wrong in your swing. So that's I'm just reminding everybody that that's in the Nick Dunlap episode uh, episode. I think we talked about in one and two. So um, anyway, that's my two cents. Scott's probably got a, a way longer answer than I do. Sorry. I was trying to come up with a really short answer. Uh, am I really loud all of a sudden? I got you. Oh, good. Thanks. Um, I have no, I'm speechless. Uh, to your question, um, there's so much to work on in the game, right? Like, there's that reality. Like, I'm sure a bunch of people, when you asked that question, were like, yeah, that's me. Like, I, I just, I practice, but... What do I work on? Um, <clears throat> we could go a bunch of different angles with this. Right now I'm buying time for myself to come up with an answer in my head um, that's cohesive and not, Very transparent not uh, 12 hours long. Because it, it is a long answer. Um, yeah. you ha- BPN, OP, and POA really help this problem. Oh, yeah. Um this is why I'm releasing the book and I'm not putting it behind the scenes and selling my picks and making money that way. 
Um, but and I'm not holding it in and just sharing it with a small number of people because that is the challenge. Like, um, stat tracking is good, but stats by and large just tell you what happened. They don't tell you why it happened. Like, I don't make my putting needs to be a lot better. Okay, where are your putts from? Relative to what? Um, how do we know that's going to drop your score? And while improving your putts and improving your wedge game, all those are important. Where exactly are the shots being lost? And BPN, OP, and POA do that. They give us the tools by which we can then look at our stats more clearly to then direct where we need to work. Because it's not, people think I need to hit more fairways. That's why I'm losing strokes. How about you need to learn how to hit it out of the rough? Because if you're in the rough on the correct side of the hole, you should be able to get that closer than being in the right side of the fair, on the correct, on the wrong side of the fairway and in the fairway. If you're on the correct side of the hole, but in the rough, you should be able to hit that closer on average than hitting it from the fairway on the wrong side. You should be skilled enough to do that. And if you can't do that, then we need to have that conversation. What about uneven lies? Where's that in your data? It's not in your data. What about the ball sitting up, sitting down? Um, what about uh, first tee versus middle of the round? What about uh, a string of holes that look and shape a certain way uh, that are designed to you know, mess with your specific style of golf? Can I keep going? I can go on forever and forever and forever. Right. BP and OP and POA pull that apart into the deep essentials that is the reason why your scores didn't drop. And when we look at it through that lens, we are able to see very clearly what the data is telling us. So it's not wrong to get your greens, your fairways, your putts, all that. I love that. It's fantastic. Phil's brought that stuff to me a lot. Um, one of my favorite ones that Phil did was um, he not only brought to me his stats – you probably know where I'm going with this. He brought to me the round, like the, the, sorry, the overview of, um, I guess it's the satellite view of the golf course. And he marked on there with a, I think it was a red pen. He marked on there where every ball, every shot went for the entire round. Now, he looked at that through one lens, which was his lens of stats and data. I looked at it through another lens of like, why is that ball going there? Where's the patterns? What patterns exist that he's not seeing that the data is not telling us? Um, and so I was able to see more clearly combined with his stats, then that, that really makes his stats come to life, the traditional stats. Um, and it really directs the lesson very, very well. So um, I always get mad. I always get mad when I see somebody like I was in a cart with somebody the other day and they had, uh, they had fairways, greens, putts. And I was like, well, what are you going to do with that at the end of the day? Yeah, sometimes, like, it's like people going, they, like, write out their to-do list. I'm guilty of this, by the way. That's why I'm bringing up this example. You write out your to-do list, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do these things. And that, that's like, it's like you completed it, but you really didn't. <laughs> you just wrote down the things to do, but you didn't do them. And so it kind of feels like you did it. Like, gathering your data and not doing anything with it is like, okay, cool. I mean, here's the crazy thing. I've seen coaches college coaches take a stat profile of a player and say and come to me or Hank as a coach and say hey uh, we need so and so to hit it further based on what well based on the data like you know uh, they don't have very many of these clubs in I was like okay cool so we've got got all their practice rounds all their qualifying all their tournament rounds so we've got 40 
plus rounds in here um, of data, and they aren't even close to looking at the right thing. I remember one example in particular. Um, came to take lessons uh, from Hank, and Hank gave me the stat card. Said, "Hey, tell me what you see. Uh, this is what the coach wants, and this is what the player thinks they want." I was like, "That's not what they need at all." They're like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, if they hit it." 10 to 20 yards further based on the club that they have in on average based on the data that's in front of us if you hit it if uh, that player hit it 10 yards further their score would go up by three tenths of a stroke if they hit it 20 yards further off the tee they would go up six tenths of a stroke on average from oh sorry from that distance each time they hit it there it's third ten so if they hit it that much further every time we're talking a Let's say a half a stroke, or f- yeah, just make it easy math. Let's do a half a stroke. If they hit it 20 yards further, 15 yards further, eight times during that round at a half a stroke, you just made their scoring average go up by four shots. So my answer to Hank was, let's improve their ability from that le- those yardages and then hit it further. Um, because hitting it further is actually going to make their performance go worse. And I sent a long email to the coach and never got anything back. By the way, the coach does not have a degree in mathematics or economics. So I don't know. I, like, I have an issue when people who aren't qualified to look at data are looking at data. Hello? Like, Hitting it farther is yeah, lower scores. It, it can. It can also make you play worse. Right. It depends on who we're talking about, when, where, and what, why, and how, and certain circumstances. So BPN, OP, and POA fix all of that, and I can't wait to teach it to you because you're going to learn it this winter. So, um, speaking of which, buy a copy of my book. Pre-order, Pre-order. it. Nice. Pre-order on Instagram right now. It's in the Instagram bio, at Golf on Instagram. There's no reason why you shouldn't get it. I'm giving you all so much free stuff with it, too. We're going to have digital content out of that book um, that's so you can watch videos to explain exactly how to do it. I'm going to run classes next year for those that misunderstand it. If you have... I'm going to offer stuff for coaches and players that if uh, for small fee a month, you can submit X number of like holes that you're unsure of, like where that mark is and I'll answer them. Like, this is how you should draw that. So like, I'm what? 14.99. I'm not even, you don't have to pay that. It's 10% off and you get all sorts of free stuff with it. We also have a, uh, a sponsor coming on soon too. Yes, we do. So Let's go ahead and tell them it's going to be Strixon. Wow, I didn't, didn't even get a chance to respond. Nope, we're doing it. So Shrixon's going to come on and sponsor. I'm excited. We're going to share some stuff about... Man, I'm bad with the mic today. Um, we're going to share some awesome stuff about um, things I'm planning on next year to try and combat the... Both to provide you a better quality fitting service, um, but uh, more importantly, um, I want to fight the coming and continuing... Um, what do you want to call it? Supply chain issues and having products. So we're, I'm not going to give you details of what that's going to look like, but we're going to be able to circumnavigate um, a lot of those issues by the plans I have for this coming year. So you'll be able to be fit properly, have your equipment in a timely fashion um, and provide a fitting service that you can't find anywhere else in the state of Tennessee. They might even give us a promo code too for some, for some awesome Probably uh, balls or something on the internet or apparel. Or balls something. or apparel yeah, or anything that you guys want from Strixon. And uh, they're with Asics, right? Oh, shoes are so good. So they're with Asics as well as Cleveland. 
for wedges. Asics was the leader in um, running shoes and cross-country shoes for a very long time, and they yep. still are recognized as one of the leaders in that department. So. so just a few sneak peeks of what's to come, but we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. So thank you guys so much for your questions. I like going with, uh, I like a lot of questions, don't get me wrong, but I kind of like a few questions and elaborating on them more. I do too. Especially when they're great questions. So great questions to everybody who asked tonight. Hopefully was, we'll see you on the next one here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge on Wednesday at 6.30. Make sure you come out. Uh, you never know what we're going to have. This week we had a, a bottle of whiskey to share. Uh, the weekend we've had a, a few special guests on. We've had like five or six guests on in the past like couple months giving away lessons, apparel, a golf bag. Yep. Um, and by the time this awesome one goes stuff. out, we will have had another um, special guest. It's going to be a professor of mathematics at University of Texas, Austin. Great mathematics um, program. Um, he's the one who is a co-author of The Five Elements of Effective Thinking, which is a major um, undergirding of my teaching style uh, and why we are at BPN OPM POA. So uh, if you didn't listen to that one, um, I guess it'll be up in the following week. So if you weren't here for that one, you really missed a treat. If you're listening to this one, it'll be out soon. If you're listening to this one, it'll be out in like the next day or two. If I'm doing my math right in my head. So there you go. Well, that's funny. Little <laughs> sorry, mathematics I, thing. Sorry, little math joke. I got too excited about that. That was great. Uh, we're going to wrap up here on the Back Porch Franklin Bridge. As always, make sure you follow Scott on Instagram at Golf. If you're watching this on YouTube or TikTok or whatever social medias that are on, make sure you give us a like, follow, and make sure you go listen to us over on uh, Apple or Spotify podcasts. Um, we keep on saying it. We're almost at 20K. I haven't looked at the numbers in the past week. We might be there right now. So thank you guys all for, for listening, watching, viewing, subscribing, whatever, guys, uh, you're you're listening or watching a song so i'm gonna go ahead and shut up stop talking we're gonna play a one song and then we're gonna go on to our last podcast of the night first podcast in a while we've done three so uh, we're gonna try and do a real quick uh 15 minute one right after this one make sure you stay tuned for that from the back porch franken bridge we'll see you on the next one peace Thanks you all for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always... Feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards, come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, we got some specials going on. We have some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.